So hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Saddlecast this season with myself, Glenn Price. And post-Christmas dinner, Ollie. Uh, yeah, welcome back, mate. Uh, did you have a good Christmas, first of all? Yeah, very good Christmas, mate. It was very enjoyable. Just me and Bex at home and obviously you got kids, so on cue, just as the Christmas dinner was ready for me and Bex, Benji started crying, <laughs> um, which is absolutely on cue. Great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all good. I've managed to get a bit more sleep. Um, which is good. So yeah, raring to go though. I did didn't have the best night last night, so I basically had some stolen cup of tea just trying to do this <laughs> podcast on sugar. Yeah, well, I, it's funny. I turned around at the end of the game, Ollie. I, I didn't. I thought you might not have come with all your uh, ongoing, uh, you know, newborn baby and all that sort of thing. Turned around I was, at the end of the game. I was like, oh, I, forgot, I forgot you were coming, Ollie. So it was one of those uh, matches. I've last got night. this good. I've got this <laughs> habit, Glenn, of Sneaking getting to in. the game. Down in a pint and getting into my seat thirty seconds before the game starts. Um, so it was nice. So I met Nathan before the game as well. I never met Nathan face to face, so that was nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it was good. So yeah, as you say, I just sneaked in. Um, though I did lose my hat last night, oh dear. which kind of clouded my first. I'm really bad at if I lose something, I get really pissed off. <laughs> so yeah, that did cloud my first half a little bit. But there's one thing we've missed, Glenn. What number episode is this? Yeah, this is the 250th Salopcast, isn't it, Ollie? So, um, yeah, yeah, we did briefly discuss this a couple of weeks ago. Just to get to yeah. that milestone really is pretty crazy um, from the Mickey Mellon era all the way forward. So, yeah, it's um, it's nice that our 250th episode is um, one of the more cheery ones, Ollie, um, and it will be looking back at a, a, a lovely Christmas festive period. So, yeah, quite a nice capstone to our, our first 250 uh, not out, Ollie. Yeah, it's go. It's 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 crazy thing we've done two hundred fifty. That's two hundred fifty genders. That's mm. two hundred fifty recordings. That's <laughs> two hundred fifty editing. It's yeah. It's it's all good. It's all good in the fact that we've never had a total mess up. We've never recorded something and it not been put outable. No, so, we haven't. Um, Touch wood. <laughs> so let's not let's not break that streak tonight. But um, yeah, there we go. But yeah, obviously we're recording. It's not actually tonight for once. It's uh, mid afternoon. No. On I don't even know what day it is. It's Christmas and everyone it's forgets. Thursday, what, is it twentieth of December? I only know that because my 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 laptop is telling me in the top right corner. <laughs> Feels like a Sunday or something. But um, yeah, we're obviously recording after the Fleetwood game on Boxing Day, um, and then the uh, the game against Accrington last night, Ollie. So um, yeah, before we get into the game. Really, it's 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 nice to have had. It feels like as a huge town fan, we haven't had so many successful um, festive periods over the last few years. So it was nice to actually have that three games over the Christmas period. I know we've not had our, our Sheffield Wednesday game yet, where you know you can't look at it as anything other than a, a massive success, really. Yeah, I was going to save this stat for kind of when we got into the Fleetwood game. Go on, but, then. Um, we've played twenty nine Boxing Day games, Glenn, and we've only won three yep. going into this game. So now four. So, and, and two of them away now. So we've won. So you go to Boxing Day, and there's been 30 games, and we've only won four. Terrible. Which is uh, pretty atrocious, considering <laughs> how many people look forward to Boxing Day football. Um, it is quite funny. Yeah, I mean, we can get, you know, it's worth just talking about Boxing Day games in general. Really, I, it's one of those games that I'd forgotten how much you you really enjoy. You know, going to a game and winning away from home on Boxing Day because that hasn't happened very much either, as you say, Ollie. And you know, there is something about that kind of crazy thing that football fans do that other people don't. Most people on Boxing Day are still in their pajamas or playing with their Christmas toys and stuff. And you know, us football fans are, are getting up and, and schlepping all across the country to go to wherever we need to go to, really. And so it was great when I got up there, saw a load of fans that maybe we don't see at every away game because they're obviously off on holiday or you know everyone's you know not working or you can take your kids or whatever so it's nice to see a few familiar faces from back in the day really and yeah it just you know that boxing day game is always a, is always a great one to win really and um yeah hopefully we, we keep up that run now but it has it has been uh, you know quite a run of recently the away games being up north because we had Wigan a couple of times didn't we and I think we had um Bolton as well on a boxing uh, a boxing day game and now Fleet, Fleetwood as well um so and Accrington I think as well was in the mix there so it's about time we went up north on boxing day and one Ollie <laughs> yeah it makes a nice change it was it's a very enjoyable my box day, even though I didn't make the trip, so I'm staying at home. Yeah, um, yeah, with a family. But um, it was a, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Boxing Day. It was a fantastic game, fantastic performance, um, and yeah, rather, rather enjoyable. And and it for me caps off the Christmas period um, mm. so far. Um, yeah, it caps off a nice end to the season, a nice end not into the season. Sorry, end to the year, um, which is obviously a big positive. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm suppose uh, hopefully everybody else had a lovely Christmas like we did um, on on Christmas Day, and uh, yeah, the festivities continued on Boxing Day. Uh, Fleetwood, we'll move on and have a look at that game now, Ollie. Ex-Fleetwood wingback Junior Brown's hopeful ball over the top fell to Jim O'Brien, who finished definitively to open the scoring. Fleetwood nil, Shrewsbury Town three. 
Both teams came to this game um, two points above the drop zone. Obviously, we ended it five points above. Right. Um, Salah had not beaten um, Fleetwood um, in the last six games. And our record against Fleetwood is actually really poor, Glenn. Going into this game, it was played 15. No, after, after this game, sorry, it's played 15, mm. won three, drawn um, five, and lost eight. Yep. So Fleetwood have a really good record. And obviously, Joe Barton managed quite a few of them for those games. And he always seemed to get one over our managers and over our, us. Um, so that so that was positive. Nice to nice to get a, a win up at Fleetwood, and you seem to go to a lot of the Fleetwood games as well, Glenn. So obviously you've seen a lot of defeats. I don't think I missed a Fleetwood game. Uh, maybe in the entire time we've played them, I think I've been to no, all the away games. You've been the home to games. all of them. I haven't been there once. You know, I've been there once. <laughs> well, you're not because I know much. you're going. <laughs> there we go. It's um yeah, it's 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 an it's a weird little stadium. In fact, um I went with a friend of mine, um Andy Davis, who used to be uh, our manager of the away supporters for years, and um, not the other Andy Davis who's been on the podcast before, um, who's the ex-professional footballer. But um yeah, it's the first time he'd been to Fleetwood as well. So um it was sort of his experience, first experience of it, and it was a cold, misty day out there. Um. And uh, yeah, no, the one stand that's been built in front of another stand that they couldn't afford, obviously, to to actually demolish. So there's like two stands right in front of each other, which is a bit weird, and an old sort of um, social club in the corner that's completely abandoned now. So lots of weird things about the ground. I quite like their I quite like their main stand on the right hand side, the new one. It is a smart little thing for a sort of ex non league club who are trying to excel themselves. So um, yeah, I, I've been to Fleetwood enough times. And it's funny you say we've got that terrible record, and I think Supertown fans kind of know that Fleetwood have been one of our bogey teams, particularly at their place. And um, I was talking. My mum and dad on Christmas Day about going up to going up to Fleetwood, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have to listen to it on the radio, and we'll be hearing that bloody Captain Pugwash um, sea shanty on the radio every time they score again." But do you know what, Ollie? For once, we did not hear the sea shanty, and 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 when you go to Fleetwood and you don't hear the sea shanty, you know you've had a damn good day. Yeah, two clean sheets on this podcast, which is Crazy. which has been a, well, the first time it's happened, and for a while where we've had two clean sheets to discuss. So that's a big positive. Yeah, and down the other end, Ollie, here's a stat for you in terms of um, in terms of the goal scoring down the other end from from clicking keeping clean sheets. But you know we've scored three goals in league games back to back. Obviously, the, the this previous Saturday at home, and then. Uh, the Fleetwood game, um, and yeah, the first time that's happened since January 2015, Ollie. So you know, quite a long time back since we scored uh, three goals in back-to-back league games, and that was against Hartlepool and Stevenage, and they were both at home, so not not one of them was an away game. So essentially, this was probably better than that. And I look back how many times that's actually happened um, since 2010. I was going to go back to the 2000s, but it, it, it very rarely happened, so I couldn't be bothered. But um, in 538 games, that is only the third time that we've scored three or three-plus goals in back-to-back league games. Yeah, it's incredibly interesting and hasn't happened for quite a long time. So, yeah, good to see us finally start opening the taps and, and scoring some goals in the league because we spent hours and hours lamenting it over the 250 episodes we've done, Ollie. But um, we, we scored three game, three goals in two games. Fair enough. That's that's an improvement. Yeah, and going to game, obviously, we scored six goals in two games as well, obviously, including the other game before that. Um, and we finally have scored more goal uh, more goals than games, which has been a terrible Ray. stat that we've carried over for quite a long time. And obviously in this game, we got our first away league win of the season, which is... the biggest um, stat of all. Yeah, huge. <laughs> it's really poor. It's taken us to um, late December, but, um, but we got there in the end. At least we did it in 2021. There we go. We didn't have to wait until the following year to get our first league away win of the season and uh, a very, very worthwhile uh, victory as well, which we'll come to. But yeah, team selection, Ollie. Um, we've been talking about this for weeks. There's never really anything too interesting in our team selections at the moment because um, yeah, we've got a core of players that are playing week in, week out um, with only occasional bit of rotation of centre-backs when they're fit or injured. Um, so Morosi in goal. Bennett uh, and, and Ogbear as the wing-backs, Pennington, Ebanks and Nurse as the centre-backs, and then Vela Davis, Leahy in midfield, Doe and Bowman. Anything to say on that, Ollie, or should we move on? No, I think it's just worth noting there's a lot of people commenting on this um, this week, I thought, about how well-organised we are. Yeah. And how, you know, if, if I, was, I was having a really good chat on, on, on WhatsApp <laughs> with Dan Hoff about how well-organised we are. You know, if Bennett pushes on, sort of like, you know, Vela or Davis will cover. If a better does the same, Leahy will cover. Um, I've noticed when we're defending long balls um, and set pieces or, or goal kicks and stuff, sometimes we'd have a back four and a better would push up. So it's really fascinating, I think, how well... We've never we've never criticised um, Cottrell's tactics or coaching or his setup for games. You know, not often. Pretty much 99% of the time he gets them right. You know, we might not... Some players might perform, whatever, but I always think we're well prepared. And yeah, I think I think it's just worth noting how well organised we are. Whilst we're just talking about the team selection and formation. 
It's fair enough. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think when you look back at some of the criticism we did give him for things like substitutions back at the start of the season where we kept saying, oh, I didn't feel like the right sub or that weakened us or this, that and the other. Well, as it turns out, Ollie, all the subs we've got were pretty crap at that point in time. And, and what, yeah. could, what could he have done anyway, I suppose? Again, that was his fault because he didn't recruit well enough. But um, yeah, I think that kind of proved the point as to why those subs never really seemed to have an effect in games. So yeah, it's an interesting point. We've definitely looked um, more organised. And I definitely think this week, having watched these two games, well, it's not even been a week, has it? But the movement of Leahy back into central midfield has given us a couple of extra things. A little bit more energy, which we'll definitely talk about across these games. But the other thing I think it gives us is... is a, And I'm not being harsh on Vela and Davis so much because they're experienced professionals. Leahy, for his younger age, he just feels like a little bit more of a leader that won't accept things and is definitely the sort of player you notice calling someone out, pointing here and there, saying do this, saying do that. And I think that has helped with the organisation over these two games a little bit, you know, very noticeable in last night's game. But also at Fleetwood, Ollie, for me, having watched him, he, he will not accept people not tracking back. Or if someone, you know, like Pennington runs out from, from centre-back and comes and joins one of the attacks, if someone doesn't drop back in there, you notice that it's Leahy, not Ebanks Landell, who's bollocking the player that should have been there, really. So I, I don't think you can underestimate his influence and, and putting him back in central midfield. He's been brilliant at centre-back, but I certainly think that he, he plays a level above when he's back in there. Um, so yeah, that was just one of my observations really on leadership and organisation, Ollie. I, th- I think it's a really well balanced central three as well with Davis, Lee Better. and Vela. I think you know Vela can obviously drop into the ten role and really well. Davis can drop a bit deeper. Um, you kind of play with one six and two eights, don't we, with Vela and Lee? When as we have in the last two games, a yep. kind of a midfield three. I think they have a lot of balance. Yeah, I think I think Lee has a. I'm not sure. I guess it's a form of leadership, but for me, it's about expectation levels and standards. He, and, he, and we see him, you know, I get the sense that, you know, all the players in the team have really high standards and that's why we're able to grind out these results and have such good performances with such a small team because we, the players that we've signed are really good and have these standards. And we, But you see that from, um, from, from Leahy, very visual, doesn't he, in, mm. in terms of how he shouts and his, his lectures that he gives out. <laughs> um, and there's definitely a, a really good culture building in the team, something the manager talks about. But you see that. Um, in this Fleetwood performance and also the Stanley performance. Oh, we can't sign anyone there, Ollie. We don't want to unsettle the. Uh, you don't want to unsettle the balance now, do you? <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. I suppose. Yeah, uh, fair enough. All those points. I suppose we can get into the game now. I should just mention on the way there. You know, we, we obviously got to the ground and, and went to buy some tickets. It was a bit of a faff. Fleetwood didn't seem to know where to send away fans to get tickets, but we eventually picked some up and uh, we were going to go into the bar for a drink. It was absolutely rammed, and as we walked into it, there was a bunch of Shrewsbury Town fans and Fleetwood fans with the Fleetwood mascot singing um, like uh, I can't remember what it was now. It was like Cage. Jude or something like that, top top of our lungs, and uh, it was only about twenty minutes to kick off. Me and Andy looked and thought, well, this this doesn't feel particularly COVID safe, and uh, we got Christmas and, and New Year, well New Year coming up now, and I want to go out and do some stuff. So we we, we went on the terrace instead straight away, and uh, yeah, got got ready to watch the game. Biggest disappointment pre-match, Ollie, the chippy across the road, which is highly recommended if you've not been to Fleetwood, was closed on Boxing Day. So uh, yeah, it was some some crap uh, pie from from the from the concourse, which was a bit unfortunate. But um, there we go. We were we were ready, warm, ready to watch the game, and town. Fans are in good voice, Ollie. Yeah, and I thought thought the game started quite well. It was quite an entertaining game. Both games this week were quite entertaining. Um, I guess at the start probably <laughs> we're saying probably Fleetwood were a little bit more on top. I thought um, there was that scramble in the box um, from Fleetwood. Um, poor chance and a, a bit of a, a poor dive that must have been quite in front of Uglin. Imagine that had a few cheers or through grumbles. Um, that was a terrible dive. Yeah, rubbish dive, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, we can go through some of the moments in this half, Ollie. As much as, it, as this was an amazingly exciting game, it was all because of the, the first half. The first half was a bit poor, <laughs> The first yeah. half, I was no, absolutely it was, terrible. No, there's not really too much to talk about, was there? There was that mistake from um, Fleetwood where Bowman tries to lob the keeper. Yeah, it was clever. Um, there was a, Ebanks had a corner and he's claimed for a foul, potentially a penalty. Um, yeah, lack of quality in both boxes. That was the key, um, yeah. Yeah, and I thought the, probably the best chance fell to town um, where a better put a cross in for yeah, Bowman. and it was, a, it was a rare occurrence where he didn't get onto the end of it. Yeah, he just mistimed the run a little bit and I think Ogbetter maybe put a bit too much on it. Was a, it was a bit unfortunate and um, Ogbetter played well in that first half, I suppose, of all of our players. But, um, I, you know, I, there was there was periods where we had a little five-minute spell on top. There's a period they had a little five-minute spell on top. But in general, it was a couple of sort of mid-table League One teams with a little bit of lack of quality when, when it was needed, um, you know, looking like they'd both had their Christmas dinners and not woken up. Um, and I, I just, in the first half, I just didn't feel like either team got going. And it, and it did feel like you know, I imagine Fleet would have got more gears because of the way they've been doing this season. We certainly had more gears in us the way we played in recent weeks and 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 had played in first in that first half. So, I, I, you know, we were talking at half time and it, it really felt like if one of these teams can just step it up another ten percent, they'll probably go on and win this. And as it turned out, Ollie, for once, it was us. I thought it was more likely that we were going to do that. I just felt we yeah. had a bit more of an edge 
and then them in the first half. And for me, the thing that dominated the second half was our kind of grit and professionalism and and something that, something that Dan um, commented on about how quick we were in the tackle. Yeah. We were really fast in the tackle and at sometimes it felt like Fleetwood were maybe even more than a step below us. And just, just in terms of winning tackles, we were so much better than them. Um, and that really, for me, counted in quite a few goals um, that we'll describe now. Um, I thought the, the fact that we won the ball and won the tackle enabled us to then score and get something. Um, and I thought that was key um, in terms of the performance. Um, so let's maybe just talk about the goals, really. I think I think that's probably the main points, isn't it? You've got, they've got the, the Leahy with a... Weird Leahy gets the ball from Bowman, uh, who does a superb um, through ball to Ogbetter. He waits for Ogbetter to get in the position. He runs blind side of the mm. fullback. Really good run there. And Bowman taps home, sending the fans into a, a huge Christmas cheer. And when that <laughs> ball went into the back of the net, Glenn, um, did you think that was offside? No, we were pretty. It was down our end, so we, we it didn't look upside yeah, to me. To be asked, honest with yeah. you, so um, yeah, I wasn't looking at the flag. I wasn't worried about it at all. Um, and I don't think Bowman was either. So um, yeah, nice, nice, another another poacher's finish. The sort of thing we've been saying he, he kind of excels in. Um, and for me, this goal, yeah, really good goal. Nice little say that pass that opened up the defense was was the killer. And um, you know, you can't doubt Ogbetter's quality when he gets in that position. But to me, this was forty nine minutes in, right? So we'd had that kind of turgid, not turgid, but sort of at each other sort of first half it hadn't been too exciting no one had really stood out from from either side I suppose in that first half um, but getting this first goal 49 minutes in you know five, four minutes into that half that was massive for the game because we, we, we looked from that point onwards like men possessed they looked like they knew they had not won a league way, a game away from home all season and they were going to play to their absolute maximum to try and get us that first league win because it, it clearly is something that Cottrell must be mentioning to them is that you know the reason we're down at the bottom of the league lads is you can't win away from home and I think that after that goal we played infinitely better than Fleetwood we probably played better than we we, we played way better than we did in the first half and I, I think that just the timing with the goal um, the, the crowd our town fans were really loud way much louder than the Fleetwood fans I think there was a lot of things then for them to get on one of those roles that we sometimes get on with Cottrell where the momentum of the game kind of goes with us um, and it was definitely one of those games Ollie it was it was really really good from that point onwards and um, just just a fantastic time to score and yeah there it was that away win was on the plate there if we could just take advantage of it yeah it was really really good um, and after the goal we were on top weren't we there was yeah. they thought their attacks were a bit powder puff they were crap second off um, yeah I thought they had that one play and Hayes looked quite good who played on the left side mm. um, but if they felt they they have got a very young side yes um, they've just given their um, caretaker manager kind of the rein to the rest of the season and yeah, it just it felt like a little bit man, man versus boys at times, I think, because of the tackling. Um, and it was the tackling that, you know, got a dough that ball um, to kind of set up to, to score that goal for Vela, which imagine was in, just in front hey. of you, Glenn, and must have been a joy to watch. Do you know what? I've got so much to say about this goal, right? And and uh, before we get into the specifics of this goal and what happened, massive, massive credit to Udo and Bowman in this game, you know, particularly after we scored that first goal. The amount of effort and work rate and running they put in, runs all over the place along the back line to stretch teams, you know, they wouldn't be afraid of coming deep and, and holding it on a chest. You know, we've been talking, I've been talking with my brother and a few of the lads last night about how Bowman's got that little ability to kind of look like he's mistimed his jump, but just get a little bit of a, a little bit of lift right at the end of his challenge with the with the defender, and just seems to get a little flick header on or put it on beyond. And what he knows if he does that, you know, there's chances a dog, that um, a doe with his pace can kind of run onto them really. And and they kept the centre backs occupied the whole time. I I have to say I thought they were both absolutely superb. To be fair, and um, yeah, and I, and I think that this was encapsulated in the goal from from Vela really because. It all comes from a doe. He, he just drops deep, um, and he he, won, he just wins the ball through sheer strength. Another quality that's come on this season. He brings it down to the floor with absolute precision. First touch, that's come on an absolute dream this season. Then he goes past a player with a little trick, a little drop of the shoulder. Didn't used to do that all that often. That's another skill that's come on this season. And then probably the most impressive thing about it was is it's almost a disguised pass into Vela's path. A lot of times we've been just humping the ball into the box, haven't we, once we get yeah. goal side of a defender. But he, he just slides it into him on a reverse angle and and not something we'd seen too much from um, from Odo before. And then Vela does the rest, doesn't he? Picks it up, runs past, he drops his shoulder and curls it in. He should be doing that a lot more as well, to be honest with you, when he, when he gets in that position. But, uh, you know, as much as Vela scored the goal and fair play, he had a really good game. To me, that was, you know, encapsulated everything we've seen in improvement in Odo without him actually scoring. It was it was superb centre forward slash attacking midfielder slash wing play and he did all of it and he did it all really well so I, I, had, to, I had to say I was really impressed with a doe in the goal and yeah I went mental when it hit the back of the net I knew that was game over it was a brilliant brilliant goal um, in terms of the cross Glenn yeah we, we've lamented a lot haven't we poor crosses into the box. Mm. 
where they kind of just hit to no one, um, which is really really frustrating. Just pick your head up. Um, it's a poor cross. It's not. It's not that someone's missing. It's a poor cross. Um, but yeah, this is a brilliant cross and absolutely super finish as well because Vela takes the ball from his right. Does a, does a defender and yep. hurls it into the bottom corner. Um, absolutely superb. And for me at that moment, yeah, it was uh, for me that was game over. Uh, maybe they're going to get a slight consolation, but for me, um, I, I was certain that we were going to win the game from from that point. Yeah, I mean, that was 72 minutes, so there's still 18 minutes left. Normally, yeah. I wouldn't be so confident away from home this season, but I, de- I definitely felt it was one. Fleetwood had had absolutely nothing in that period between our first and second goal, and we'd looked like scoring at other times as well. There'd been a couple of other half chances here and there, and we, we ended up having quite a lot of shots in this game. So, um, yeah, it's it felt like from the second goal to the end of the game, every attack we had, we were going to score from. Honestly, it was like it was like I don't know, charge of the light brigade sort of thing. There was a header from a corner, I think it was that Ebanks had that um, the keeper made a really good save from. Um, and you know, there was there was other half chances here and there. There was one that slid across the the, the goal, no one could slide in on it. I think there was a little curved shot that um, Ogbetter had. There was another chance that Ogbetter had that put it over the bar. I'm just remembering these off my head. They're not on the agenda, Ollie. Just you know, there was a good 10, 10 minute spell towards the end of the game where we just had a go. We thought we're two 0 up here. We probably won this game. Let's kind of you know keep going and um yeah eventually we got the third goal didn't we we did which what a goal. Was, <laughs> yeah what a goal and that's the reason why i was so keen to talk about tackling because this was brilliant and um, vela wins three duels against three different players <laughs> um, and it's not just the case he wanted it more he clearly he was you know he wanted he did want it and um, but for me the, 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 it was that that speed of the tackle and and how well organized we are and how much how how well trained the players are at the moment yeah. and, and what form we're on as well so vela wins three tackles and the ball then comes to a doe who shifts it onto his left and apologies glenn's mom um, he strikes an absolute <laughs> thunder bastard into oh, the back of the net. Yeah. Hits the crossbar, which makes it even even the sweeter. Um, and yeah, that had me off my seat. That was amazing, and that was just that was a sexy, sexy goal. That was just the way that the ball moved and hit the back of the net was mad. And imagine the town fans on the on the terrace went absolutely mental. We turned into rude Hullet, sexy goal. Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty <laughs> amazing. To be fair, it's not often in the last few years, and I think this. Uh, this brings, the reason that goal felt so special to me is I've obviously been going to a lot of away games in the last three, well, 250 episodes of Salopcast. I've been doing a lot of away games because we want to cover it on the podcast with some accuracy and yeah. give a bit of a flavour of the day. I can't remember too many times out of the Hearst season that I've got up off a terrace and ran down it to where, where they were celebrating. You know, I'm, I'm an old man now, Ollie. My knees aren't quite as good as they used to be. But as soon as that goal went in, me and my mate Andy just were off down the terrace towards celebrations. It felt like one of those ones you wanted to be a part of. It was like a, a, a kind of a capstone to a really terrible season away from home in all honesty in fact a, a terrible 2021 really we barely won a game have we um and yeah just a fantastic moment and yeah you know you could see it the moment you hit it when it hit the bar it just made a lovely crisp noise in the stadium um and yeah the whole place went absolutely mental and it was great the town fans were really loud in the second half and you know we really yeah kind you of, could hear them yeah throughout. and yeah there's, there's a really good blogger uh for for fleetwood um and he he, he commented on shrewsbury towns um away away fans and how noisy they were um, and yeah, winning your first game away from the season three with three superb goals. It's a, it's a nice way to do it. We don't do it easy way, do we? It's, um, but it was a nice way to I do, do it. I do feel a bit bad when someone scores a goal like that this season and they're never going to win goal of the season because everyone is going to vote for blocks. Of... <laughs> it's so unfair, well, it's isn't not, it? Yeah, it's not even that. I thought I thought you meant in terms of yeah, you know, if, you know, that's probably that for me. Surely was the best goal in League One on Boxing Day. Oh, definitely. It's never going to yeah. win any poll, is it? Um, no, it's not going to win a goal of the season. But my point is that Boxham's no. overhead volley was just so astonishingly amazing for yeah. a 17 year old to score his first professional league goal with such quality that you could bang one in from 40 yards this season and you ain't going to win goal of the season so um, yeah, yeah one of Ado's best goals for us though Ollie you can't really criticise that he's he started to score more but that was pure class pure crisp hit and um, yeah he knew where he wanted to put it yeah, and it was, and not only was it the goals fantastic. Obviously, we got the got the clean sheet that we finally needed. Just as important. Um, it was yeah. really brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It's a really good performance and all round. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about the clean sheet, but you know we we talked about scoring three goals second half, but that doesn't happen unless the defence are up to the job in that sort of more sturgid, turgid first half, really. Because I thought Pennington particularly stood out to me of the defenders at the game. Ebanks played really well. So did Nurse again. Um, but um, Pennington was really good, and in the second half, he was the one that was kind of unleashed to join in our attacks when we went on our sort of charge the light brigade there was a couple of times where you suddenly think what's Pennington doing there and he, he does like to get forward every now and again He's a, I think he's a maybe a defensive central midfielder who's a, <laughs> who, if you gave him the chance he'd quite like to do that but um, for me he stood out really but yeah word for all the defenders and, and Bennett as well in his sort of role he was playing on the other side from Ogbetta they were really good as well I think everybody played really well across the game um, but you could give some, some 9 out of 10 for that second half performance it was that good Ollie yeah it was absolutely superb it was a, a brilliant brilliant performance um, 
all round. And it was one of those performances where it feels harsh to, to kind of single out any players. Yeah. Because everyone played so well. Yeah, we, first half, um, we weren't brilliant. We weren't amazing. But the second no. half was a complete performance. Um, obviously, three goals and unconceded. Yeah, low moment then after we left the stadium. It was one of those ones where no one left and everyone applauded them off. It was it was it was one of those sort of moments where you wanted to thank thank, thank God for that and yeah, think thank you for making our, our Christmas uh, special. So um, yeah, filtered out there. Obviously the chippy was still shut and had any grub. We were desperate to get some food. Smashed it down to Charnock Richard Services. Went up to the Burger King and the lady on the desk said, uh, "Hi, welcome. How can we serve you?" And we were like, "Well, yeah, we we want this, this, this." And they said, "Oh, sorry, just tell you, we've run out of burgers." So I was like, great. <laughs> so a bit of a low moment, Ollie. But um, there you go. That's the the tales of a travelling uh, a travelling fan. You have to deal with what the service station provides. But um, all in all, we couldn't write, take the shine off what was a fantastic day. So um, yeah, got home and uh, yeah, just you can't wipe that smile off your face on Boxing Day evening. Then just just got back and you know had a look at what everyone else was saying about it online and uh, yeah, just 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 a nice peaceful evening. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Everyone with a smile on their face uh, made it a fantastic um, Boxing Day burgers or not. Um, it was pretty. I actually made a really nice turkey sandwich, Glenn. We've, oh. We had a bit of turkey, um, a um, pigs in blanket, a bit of gravy and cranberry sauce, which went down nicely. Banging. So that was that was my that was my um, afternoon treat, uh, my afternoon lunch. So that was good. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of covers most of the game. Just yep. top threes, I guess. Really, in a few manager comments. You go first, win. Yeah, I had a doe uh, for my man of the match. I just thought he was hard working throughout the whole game, but his influence on the, on the goals was was to be uh, acknowledged. I suppose on the second or third goal, the, the third goal was just class. But as I say, I was more. It's, it's very odd to say I was more impressive on the second goal than I was the third one, where he smashed it in from thirty yards. But I was. I thought he was fantastic, and um, yeah, he's really you know doing well with Bowman as a partnership. There's just so much good to say about it though, um, and his name was rightly ringing out as the fans left the stadium again. So yeah, a doe man of the match. Um, I just mentioned Pennington a second ago, but he was my second place. Thought in terms of the defensive unit, he was the standout um, and and a really big part of why we got that clean sheet. And for his hard work from defensive moments to attacking moments, um, and obviously getting his his first goal for quite a while, I went for Vela third place. Cool. I went for Vela, Doe, and Leahy. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Yeah, I thought good performances from those guys. And then what the manager have to say? He was obviously as he always is when we win and he was in good mood good spirits I'm really pleased um, yeah you know in terms of obviously everyone talks about the waveform people forget the performances um, I don't think we've forgotten the performances have we Glenn? I've not forgotten the ones at the start of the season they're absolutely shit so um, I don't know if no but you know those. what I mean you know, I think we've been fair in our balance you know there's perhaps been some good away performances we've talked about the Wigan game recently and a few things like that so I don't think we've done that but at no. the same, at the end of the day, it's results business. Exactly. Um, I don't think you really worry about performances when you've gone whatever it was. I think it was like thirteen games out and away win. That is absolutely diabolical. So yeah, we've obviously talked about yeah. it because we do an hour's worth of podcast every week where we try and break it apart. But I'm not surprised why a lot of town fans had given up on saying it was a good performance because it had been such a bad long run. You know, quite quite yeah. historically bad. So finally, good to end it on. I think it was game fourteen. Um, without going to game fourteen of not winning away from home. So, yep, that run comes to an end. I don't have to keep tracking that now, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good to get that win. Hopefully we can get some more in the second half of the season. Um, he said you, what, we got what we deserved. Um, he's delighted for the players and the fans, and he thought the fans were magnificent. Um, so, yeah, he, he talked about um, like a half-time. He said four players needed to come to the party. Um, we needed to level up the rest of the players, and we, you know, yeah, with that we'd go on, go on a win, and thankfully we did. Um, and he talks about a dose goal. He says it was unbelievable. He said it's a world-class finish, and any mm. game that that would grace. It was a, it was a fantastic finish, and God, no goalkeeper would save that. I thought, and which obviously is all accurate. It was a great finish. Power, power. You're never going to save it, are you? You can get, you can be the quickest keeper in the world, but if it's flying past you that fast, you're very rarely going to reach up and save it. So, um, yeah, all good. So, yeah, first game of our little Christmas period uh, review this week was fantastic, three 0 win. So, um, yeah, we'll move on to something slightly less uh, goal-ridden, Ollie. This is Akpa Akpa with the instep, good ball in, header, goal! 4 nil, 4 nil to Shrewsbury Town! And it's Mangan again, isn't it? Shrewsbury nil, Accrington nil was our December the 29th game, Ollie, in front of 5,800 at the Meadow. Um, only a couple of hundred from uh, Accrington, but... They don't have the biggest away attendance, do they, I suppose? Um, I wouldn't have said there was no way there was 5,800 there, by the way, Ollie. But as Brian clarified at last Sports Mobile meeting, if you have a season ticket and you don't turn up, you still get counted. So um, there we go. You were there in spirit. Um, just for the stats, yeah, first nil-nil of the season. So that's taken quite a while. We got our first away win and then we've got our first nil-nil to back it up. So um, a week of firsts. Um, 
And we're now back to just two points behind last season, Ollie. So before we recorded these Christmas games, we were obviously still trailing, I think, about five points behind um, where we were at this point last season. So we're back to just within a win of where we, where we were last year with obviously a lot of scope to kick on in the new year. Um, and this is game 23, Ollie, halfway point of the season in the league. So, you know, nice judgment point of where we, we've ended up. And we'll look at that after we've done this game. And uh, just thought I'd let you know, Ollie, we're only 14 points in the playoffs. So uh, you never know. Don't give up, <laughs> don't give up hope, mate. <laughs> the bottom half of the league is crazy, isn't it? Very tight, and it has been has been for the last few few years. Yep. Um, I'd go as far to say thirteenth, Burton Albion, um, downwards. Uh, are definitely kind of still in this relegation fight. Yeah, you're eight points away, but I always remember that season. Remember when Warsaw this time of the year were given and um, Warsaw fans were given Shrewsbury fans, um, you know, abuse for you know for not doing as well after the Paul Hurst season, and they were flying high at this point in the season, and they got relegated. Um, so obviously a lot of things can happen in the second half of the season. And there's, if you put an agenda here, Glenn, what point are we at? Yeah, 23, as I just said, Ollie. So, um, yeah, halfway point of the season. So, yeah, as I say, we'll, we'll revisit that, won't we, at the end of this podcast and we'll have a look at the halfway point of the season where we're at now, really. But, um, yeah, team selection, Ollie, not much to say on that, really. Nope, same team again. It's pretty simple. Um, and, yes, yeah, it's the best team we've got at the moment, isn't it? A lot of fans a lot of fans agree with that point. So this game, we're not going to cover too much on it. Um, obviously, there's no goals uh, to cut, to talk about. Um, I'll say probably we probably shaded, we definitely shaded the first half. They definitely shaded the second half, Glenn. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. We started all right, I thought. Um, you know, early crosses from the right, header from Leahy at the keeper. Oh, I probably scored. could have done better, but it was mm. a header, which is obviously quite difficult. Stanley counter-attacked and striked and stroke over, which... We're kind of a bit of the summary of the game, really, in terms of both sides giving it a go, um, but a lot of efforts from outside the box um, from Atherton Stanley. Um, there was that header in the box um, from Adoglin, wasn't there, um, yeah. earlier on in the first half as well, but it was it was a bit of a hard chance because he, he actually actually pushed over the defender to kind of get there, then he was a bit <laughs> off balance. Um, and then, yeah, there was that um, long throw into the box, probably our best chance of the game. Definitely. He comes to Leahy. Who fires wide? I actually, in real time, I thought it was a doe because of his reaction. It was such a scramble; you couldn't really tell who it was. Um, I don't know. Did you think it was Leahy or a doe in real time? I put Leahy on Twitter, so obviously I didn't know ah, what okay. I was talking about. Um, but yes, it was a bloody um, close range shot. It's quite annoying that he missed it, really, because to go one 0 up again, you might have felt like the momentum would have took us through the rest of the game in, in what was a tight game. But um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty poor miss from from looking at it again today. It's um it's come to him quite quickly, I suppose, but. Uh, you might have expected him to at least get on target, and it's just agonisingly wide, isn't it? Unfortunately, but yeah, you talk about those few chances there. Ollie. My open, my my observations of the first half was, I've seen worse nil nil draws in my life. Um, for a, for a first half, I thought it was quite an entertaining game, Ollie. You know, both teams wanted to have an attack. Yeah, they, it was. They look like a team that likes to play football. A bunch of young lads, a couple of a couple of sort of attacking midfielder types that we don't have too many of. Um, but then we looked really good on the counter attack. I thought particularly down the right hand side where we looked really dangerous through. Um, it's really Bennett. interesting you commented on that because I was looking at the um, heat map and yeah we were really focused on the right in this game in our yeah, attacks yeah um, really really um, right centric kind of yeah we wouldn't have that many attacks down the left or better had a much quieter game um, than he has in recent weeks it's weird I mean we talk, talk about the formation really because it was a little bit different to what we've had in recent weeks we almost, almost kind of played without a right midfielder but Vela kind of drifted out there and, and actually well, yeah that's where I was talking about defending yeah. set pieces I think it's a bit of a I think one of the things we were talking about is, you know, we're talking about how well organised this team is. For me, we are so flexible and so well organised that I think sometimes we can look... Our formation is quite hard to gather and quite hard to, to predict. So I think that four at the back comes from defending long balls or goal kicks. Yep. But then often you'd have a player out of position and he doesn't have to... He can obviously... He gets back into position, but someone else covers. But you're right, Glenn. There was oftentimes... We had almost looked like we were playing a lopsided four four two, with no one playing on the right wing, um, because of yeah the way that we were defending set pieces. Um, it's odd. There were times where it looked like we had the the back five with the wing backs. There were times where it looked like a st- standard four four two, and it often depended upon whether we were attacking, defending, or counter attacking. And there is some flexibility within how we line up now. And 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 as I said at the start of this podcast, what Lee he does and his pointing and making sure people are filling in, he seems to be filling in that role of kind of Cottrell's on pitch kind of manager, really. I suppose in that circumstance but to be fair I imagine all the other lads are completely well drilled from all the work they do in training as well but um, it doesn't help to have someone reminding you I suppose about things like that but yeah it is, it is a bit odd 
actually. It isn't just like a simple, well, we line up five, for, you know, like that, and it's it's simply that the whole way through. It it is flexible, and and I do think that it's the, flexible and evolved, and we've evolved. The seasons moved on as well. Yes, I think we're getting we're adding layers and layers and and more knowledge, and the players are yeah so well are, are kind of adapting either attacking or or when especially in defensive phases, and we're really good at covering spaces. I don't think you know clearly we couldn't do this evolving and trying these sorts of things when we were on that terrible run at the start of the season. You know, Cottrell openly admitted he had to evolve what he was trying to do at the start of the season to something that was a bit more attritional that started to get us a few results to kind of stabilise us and get us up a little bit. And then in recent weeks, it seems to have moved on to another stage and it's, you know, been a bit more flexible. We've obviously got better results. So there's kind of been an evolution even during this opening bit of the season up to up to halfway, really, which is interesting. So it's good that we're showing some progress, I suppose, rather than, than going backwards, which is what the opposite of some clubs are started well and are going backwards now, aren't they? So um, I'd rather be in our situation than, than some of the clubs that are dropping like a stone. But yeah, interesting. And and to me, the reason I mention all this and go back to it is that the way we played at times with that sort of Vela sitting in and it kind of helped us because we tended to find a little bit of space in the midfield when Vela made a lot of use of it. And then Bennett made some really, really good overlapping runs um, that he was finding with it. So that, that to me seemed to work really well um, between those two, you know, good experienced League One and Championship players. So I thought I thought those two linked up really well in the game. Yeah, they did. It was uh, yeah, they played well again, and as you'd expect, the most probably the most consistent players this season. Yeah, I think that's probably fair, isn't it? Particularly Bennett, who we've said a lot of positive things about. Obviously, Vela missed a spell, injured, didn't he? So, um, you know, in between that, he's been out. But between those two games, he was our best player in the bad run at the start of the season. Um, he might not be shining so much in this in this better run now because others are scoring the goals and it's a bit more entertaining. But he certainly doesn't ever put in something below a seven out of ten. Vela does he? he never he never has an absolute stinker. No, he's 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 brilliant. He's fantastic. Definitely, definitely our um, our um, one of our best players. Yeah. Um, and talking of uh, yeah, some of our best players at the moment, um, we had a, a nice bit of link up play out of the back, playing the ball out of the back after that Morosi kind of scramble, which I did have my heart in my eye at one moment. Yeah. Uh, we kind of saved it and drops the ball, but manages to keep it. Uh, but really nice ball out of the back. So a better plays a, a one-two with Nurse. And then he plays a delightful ball um, down the line to a doe who, who soldier barges the defender and, and runs forward. He gets into the box. I think he actually overhits it a little bit to tee himself up. So he has to shoot. And he shoots. I don't think he can really hit it as well as he likes. And hit the keeper. Um, I think if he'd mishit that... That would have gone on the back of the net, but unfortunately, you hit it straight at the keeper. It was actually quite a small space at this point. It was, and uh, I have to say, Bowman was absolutely screaming for yeah. it at the back post for a tap in. Um, it's not about how well or bad he shot or scuffed it or whatever. He should have passed that to Bowman. And Bowman, if you watch it back on the highlights, gives him a big, massive open arms. What are you doing? Just pass it to me, you know, and I will score. And we're away here, aren't we? So yeah, still things for him to work on. But um, I think it's more it's more of a case that you know maybe six weeks ago he probably would have passed it because he was going you know before he went on this run he was passing on responsibility for shots, wasn't he? We we mentioned it on the podcast. He was maybe in that situation where he was snatching at things. This time, I think because he's so confident from the goals he's been scoring, he must have thought oh, I can score again here. So I can't really knock him too much for that because you want him to keep his confidence streak going. So um, yeah, these things happen. It 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 didn't cost us in the end because it was nil nil, but. Um, yeah, it just would have been would have been nice to have got a goal for half time because it was it was about five minutes for half time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good, and it was, I thought in, in this half there we had two really good chances, didn't we? That yeah. we both of them we've discussed here. Ideally, we would have taken one of those. Um, it's one of those. I think we rue those missed chances. I think those players, those chances probably kept the players up at night last night um, in terms of thinking them through. Um, and then to end the half, there was a good set, another shot from Hamilton and a save by Morosi, uh, who had to have quite a few saves. And we're talking about shots now, Glenn. They had a lot of the shots, didn't they, Stanley? Loads, um, yeah. But a lot of them were from either block shots or actually they had a lot of shots. More than half of their shots were outside the box, um, which is in some ways is quite poor decision making from them. Or maybe it does suggest that they're really good at shooting from long range. Uh, but it also shows that we force them, you know, into making those shooting from long distances because we we kind of we're such a good defensive unit. I don't know. Being there on the night, it's, it was an interesting game to watch the way they attacked us. They had a really, really tall guy up front, and, it, and we'll come to the second half when they put other subs on who were absolutely giant. But oddly, yeah, so I thought a massive side. Oddly, I thought they kind of at times dominated our centre backs, but we just about managed to do whatever we needed to do to scramble it away. If it's second you know, half, this was true. There was the yeah, wind a bit, I think, um, in terms of that, and they were playing the ball forward. Yeah, we've got Nurse. Um, obviously, he isn't isn't the biggest, and our fullbacks, our wingbacks, are not the largest either. No. Um, the manager talks about it in his post match. I think if we had Pierre in this game, I think that would help quite a bit. Mm. I think that would have made a big difference. But they really penned us back in the second half with with long balls. 
definitely. But yeah, so uh, you know, they they and fair play to John Coleman as a good manager. They adapted their tactics to what they thought might be the optimal solution, and I think they probably had the better of it in the second half as much as me, maybe we had the better chances in the first half. So you know, uh, I'm coming to the end, but a four a draw probably felt reasonable. But yeah, those two chances in the first half, the game could change on that. You're right. You know, if we'd have gone one or two nil up in the first half, I, I you know it'd have been very difficult for them to come back into it. But yeah, just credit that last save from Morosi in that half was vital really because if they'd gone one nil up, it would have been a completely different story as well. And um, it was you know we were kind of weren't behind it, but you could kind of see it angling towards him, and it looked like it was dipping and moving that that last one um, from Hamilton, and um, he made a really really good save to kind of push it up and away. Um, and I've seen a bit of criticism. We'll come to second half because he made loads of saves as well. But I've seen a bit of criticism from today on online Ollie about how because he made that one mistake for that chance you were talking about before, he had a, had a poor game. But for me, he made maybe six saves in the game and kept a clean sheet. I'm not sure you can really ever say a goalkeeper's had a poor game um, when they make the saves and they keep a clean sheet, even if their kicking is a bit dreadful and you know they made one mistake that could have cost us. Well, yeah, it could have, but you know he scrambled and he, made, he, made the save. He saved the ball. He, yeah. yeah, he dropped a little bit, but. No, I think if the goalkeepers had 23 shots um, and not yeah. conceded and made some really good um, saves, no, I thought he had a he had a really really good um, performance. So much great. so he was top of my top three. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so well he was in my top three. So yeah, interesting. I just I'm not sure where that had come from really. And I suppose uh, yeah, he's he's been struggling to keep clean sheets and he's kept two in a week really. So he and me absolutely. I, thought, absolutely was, delighted. I did see this. Yeah, there was, it was interesting. I saw most fans. I thought after that last night's performance were quite complimentary about the team. Yeah. I thought, you know, most people said, you know, it was a game of, of two halves, um, you know, we could have won the game, but then also, you know, um, Stanley could have won it as well. I thought in the in the main, most fans were, were quite um, positive about the performance, but then I did see a few fans, particularly on Instagram, who were really, really scathing of the team. I don't know whether that's... Instagram, Ollie. Well, maybe that's that's my problem. Young. I don't look at Facebook anymore for football um, opinion, um, and I, maybe I shouldn't look at Instagram either. But yeah, it was. I thought everyone, you know, it was one of those games. And we'll come to the. Well, I guess the story about it now. For me, this was a game a little bit game too far. Um, we put yes. a lot of effort in the Fleetwood game, and we were just off the pace. Second you know, half. Ogbetta yeah. in the second half would have taken that chance normally. Yeah. Um, you know, you at least had a shot. A Doe would have taken one of those chances. Leahy just missed. For me, it was a, it was a game too far for a small team in a Christmas period. I mean, we were just that little bit off the pace, which meant that we weren't as accurate as we normally are or felt, have been in recent weeks. I felt about 60 minutes, maybe 70 minutes, it, it felt like Adele Bowman had ran themselves out of the game. They had worked so hard up until that period, and it wasn't like they didn't keep working hard. It's just they didn't, they didn't quite have the legs to carry an attack forward, and we were massively, massively penned in for the last 20 minutes, and then weirdly had two chances right at the end. But, um, yeah, it definitely... And, and not just them. You know, I, I look at a Davis and... Um, you know, in central midfield, I thought he, he kind of got very leggy towards the end of that game as well. So, um, you know, we kind of always knew that this is going to happen. And, and Cottrell has, has admitted it himself, hasn't he? That you know, this small squad, you know, we're gonna we need the week's rest between games. And when we've had it, we've generally had a better win percentage than we haven't had before. So. To come out of this, in the end, considering everything, small squad, having won the last two games, a point is completely fine, isn't it, in retrospect? Accrington are a good team on a good run. Um, clearly, we're a good team from watching them the other night, I thought, as well. So, um, yeah, all in all... Was it you who did the analysis, Glenn, or someone I saw did the analysis that when we played one game in a week, we've got a really good win ratio? When it was we made two games in a week, uh, we, we don't do as well. It was on Twitter, wasn't it? I saw that as well. That's yeah. what I was referring to. I'll I can't remember who did it. Apologies. Yeah, yeah no, we. I think it might be Shrew's analysis, but I'm not 100% Horribly, sure Probably, because um, there's not many of us. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll probably maybe dig out and have a look at that for, for next week, Ollie. But yeah, there's definitely a there's definitely been a higher kind of win percentage when we've had time to rest this season so far. And, you know, kind, of, and back, kind of backs up everything that we've been talking about this season and the small squad, doesn't it? So yeah, not a surprising stat. I suppose what stood out to you in the half in terms of moments, Ollie, we've, we've kind of talked about how they, they had a lot of chances there was one from from distance wasn't there right at the start of half that Morosi did a good save of um yeah but in general yeah it was it was mostly them up until right at the end wasn't it yeah we, we really struggled to kind of keep the ball our strikers weren't keeping it as well um we weren't really playing out we weren't able to play it out as well as we had done the first half um as we said it was just off that little edge and it, you know you only need to be off a little bit um, yeah. for it to kind of not work um, you know, Stanley played really well. To be fair, they came out second half with a better side, yep. um, and they created more chances in the second half. There was again, there was another effort from range from Morosi that was a really yeah. good save, us forcing them to shoot from distance. Um, probably our best chance was probably either that better chance 
all of that um, turn from from Ado from um, from Vela where he fires over. Um, that was probably the best chance. The two chances I thought were the, were right at the very end where Ogbetta got played in. I think it was from Odo held the ball up really well and played yeah. him on the left hand side. If he, he just had a, didn't shoot, just shoot straight away. He tried to cut back, didn't he, and do the man, and then kind of curl it in like he has done a few times for us before. It was the wrong move. He should have just put his head down and fired hard and low and, and seen what happened. And then maybe like a minute later, we got the ball back from a transition straight away. Um, and this time someone played in. I think they got a little bit pulled out of position. Someone played in Bowman on the right hand side. He got in, looked like he had a chance. You know, it was right behind. You know, block seventeen. We were looking right at goal, and he was in on goal. Just felt like use your left foot, curl it in with your left foot, and he tried to do the other thing, and he tried to cut back onto maybe his um. You know, his, his more favoured foot, I suppose, and um, yeah, didn't didn't quite work there either. But to me, in the half, we'd been under pressure for ages, and then we had these two glorious chances right at the end, and maybe felt a little bit like, God, we could have won that then, unlucky. But I think, I think that's what yeah. that was where I got to when I did my yeah. tweet. It probably wasn't as balanced as I normally like them to be. <laughs> and like, um, I was quite disappointed at the end, probably because those chances in the first half, and as you reminded me there, Glenn, those chances right at the end, right at the end, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know, uh, you you can be swayed, can't you, by your emotions. Yes. Um, and the end, it just felt like we could have got something from that game. But that's not me begrudging the point. Um, seven points from nine um, over Christmas is, is a very good turnaround. And if we'd have said that to you, Glenn, um, you know, um, a couple of months ago, um, you would have you'd have bit my hand off for that for that turn of results. An interesting comparison. Talk, looking at the crowd last night, Ollie. You know, we've we've sat and watched some nil nil draws at the Meadow that have been turgid, and the fans have just been really, really flat and quiet. That was not the case last night. And, you know, buoyed by two wins, obviously, it's a bit different, wasn't it? But the town fans, South Stand and Block 19 all the way along the West Stand, were really noisy in the second half. And, you know, I did feel like it was one of those games where maybe the crowd were going to just get us over the line a little bit. And, you know, they it was it almost felt like the crowd knew the lads have worked really hard in the last few weeks. They're under pressure in the second half. Accrington are clearly on top here. They need us. They need that 12th man. And I have to say, I think as much as we didn't go on to get the win, the town fans definitely were a bit of a 12th man last night and kind of yeah. maybe ringing out that last 5% the lads had left in their legs. 100%. We're clearly going to be knackered for Wednesday, but I think it got us, helped get us over the line and get us that point. And, um, well, hopefully you know, we got... Yeah, we've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so we've got yeah. an extra day um, to recover. True. Um, and it's something that the manager commented on. He said, like, 75, 79th minute. Uh, the town fans kind of picked up their voice. There was the Doe chant wasn't there. Yeah. Um, there's a few other chances as well where the whole, where the West Stand and, yeah. the, and the South Stand were really giving the players some support. Um, I thought that really helped the players keep getting it going. And, yeah, let's talk about what the manager said now. The manager said, you know, last season we probably lost that game. Um, I sometimes take the manager's comments like this with a pinch of salt, but I think that's fair. Um, for me, I thought the fans were behind this team. I don't uh-huh. think the fans were necessarily as behind this team as much as they were at the start of the season. Um, and I don't yeah. think this team had the grit and the kind of the the standards something we talked about in the in the Fleetwood game to to come through this and get the point. Um, and that's where you have to say the manager's right in terms of bringing players that got the right credentials. Um, and the right culture, because for me it was the players' grit backed by the fans that enabled us to get that point. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I hadn't read that you put all that in the agenda. Right? That was just literally my reflections of thinking about last night. No, so it's, it's quite interesting. You shows you don't read down. the agenda, but <laughs> <laughs> not all the time. Um, no, we we run through it as we go through it. Um, yeah, but yes, do. it's it's interesting. I, I hadn't picked up on that, and yeah, I suppose that kind of that backs it up even more, doesn't it? And I think it, you know, yeah. we're going to wrap this game up in a minute and talk about twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. But it, it's kind of two things that give an air of optimism. One, improved results, climbing the league table, and all that sort of thing always helps. But I think that you know the way the fans have been, and you know I've been going to. The away games since maybe Stratford away that's where I've noticed a kind of more of a, of a, of a coming together and and, and kind of just we're all in this together and there's been much less negativity not as much toxicity that we could have I had I wouldn't when... say there's been any yeah obviously no, away, away fans are always more yep. loyal because they're a bit crazier than normally if the home fans that obviously you know they're more they're the most loyal fans because they go to away games and the home games yep. um, and obviously it takes a lot to go to away games as well money and time um but I would say the the atmosphere at home is not negative. When I picked up on your word negative, I think before it was. You know, when we went ten percent of the season without scoring a goal, yes, um, and then we had that win. Was it against Cheltenham at home? Yeah, Cambridge. against Cheltenham at home. No, Cambridge, no, Cambridge at home. Yeah. Cambridge at home. Well done, Glenn. Good memory. At Cambridge. <laughs> we <home>, many. <laughs> um, that was a key, key key turning point for me. I thought we were on a real downward trajectory there. Everyone was getting quite angry. There was a lot uh-huh. of frustration among fan yeah, base. Yeah. That win, and then we've moved on from there. For me, I think when we look back and we do the end of season review, maybe that will be the turning point, and hopefully maybe some signings in January. 
yeah, I feel I feel like looking back. And I was putting some videos together in my sort of year, my family year together. He's an app called One Second Every Day, and you kind of can merge a whole load of videos together at the end of the year, and kind of shows you your your year in a, in a three minutes. Really, it's quite funky actually. But um, and I was looking through the videos today. I was doing that, and you know, it's only back. I think it was like some, one of the games in like mid October or early October where you know they were getting booed off do you know what I mean and and you know to come from there and sort of real anger at the end of games to you know a nil-nil draw at home to Accrington you know might not seem like a best result in the terms of team stature and all that sort of thing but um the town fans were really appreciative of the efforts again last night and um stuck with them the whole half applauded them off um applauded them for a really good Christmas uh, period and I think yeah, as much as the results are better, that kind of change of atmosphere amongst the fans um, from where it could have been going. And also, we haven't had to talk about Steve Cottrell making comments that no one likes. You know, he's actually took himself out of a lot of interviews recently, Ollie, if you've noticed. You know, you've had Longwell, you've had Wilbraham. He's doing a lot less press. I think, you know, I a think combination. because of health, probably, as well. Probably, yeah. And time, as well. I'm but sure it helped. It's helped, but it, Ollie. Yeah, I think yeah. so, as well. He's not having to answer the same questions um, with no. the same staff, but of the same media every week. It will Which be if he messes up mature. this transfer window, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> it will be, because, yeah, the questions on transfer window already started in this press conference, as you would expect. Exactly, there we go. Well, there we go. Seven points from nine over Christmas. Happy days. So let's wrap this game up, Ollie. What was your top three? So, yeah, pretty quick. Uh, Morosi, Bennett and Pennington for me. Yeah, I'm not going to lament it. I think we've talked enough about that. But Morosi was brilliant. My man of the match. Leahy for his leadership and uh, second place. And Ebanks Landell, again, thought was great at centre-back. So, um Cool. So what did the manager have to say? So yeah, he was quite uh, robust in his comments. He said after 14 minutes, we could have been 3-0 up. After 21 minutes, could be 4-0 up. But then it ends up being a bit of an awkward game. Um, we weren't as sharp tonight. Um, and obviously we've, we've discussed the reasons for that. Um, I thought this was really interesting, Glenn. Um, this is where the manager does make me smile. Um, because he doesn't want to talk about the league table when we're you know, in 20th or 21st. But he brought up the league table this time, saying we could have moved up to 13th tonight. So he says we don't care about the league table, and you know, we don't look at the league table, all that kind of stuff. And as soon as we could <laughs> talk about being 13th, he brings up the league table, which I thought was quite funny. Could have, would have. Um, yeah, exactly. And I actually quite like this funny. I really like the last word in the in the sentence. So he said, you know, he's really proud of the players. You know, we could have lost that last season. We would have got chinned, which I thought was quite a funny word um, description of how it worked. And then I love the fact that Stu John bought up the January transfer window and Steve Cottrell said we we're going to sign five players on the 1st of January. So good to see Steve Cottrell, you know, having that bit of humour, which I think mm. is sometimes missing um, when we don't get the right results. Um, so he said we're looking at looking at a few things, but it might come at the back end of the, the, the transfer window. Obviously, kind of setting expectations, and then he went on a really interesting discussion. So it's definitely a, a press conference worth listening to um, for the fans. I think it's one to worth listening to. Definitely with the interview with BBC Shropshire, BBC Shropshire, Shropshire Star, sorry, um, and they talk about the culture of the club. And he says, you know, you know, last season the players, um, you know, the players this season are disappointed with one all and then draw at home, where he didn't think that would have happened in the past. Yeah, just one quick thing on that, I suppose, about um, the, the transfer window. It's fine, if, you know, it's fine in him saying we're looking at a few things. It might be towards the end of the window, but let's not forget we announced two signings on New Year's Eve last year. Because um, was it Pennington and the other guy we brought in loan? I've named forgets me now. But so we actually announced two of our signings on New Year's Eve. So. Yeah, when you're out having a drink, if you're out this year, um, or you're at home, you know, celebrating with family or whatever, just keep an eye on Twitter. You might see town announce a player. Let's not rule that out, Ollie. But um, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, and as I said, seven points from nine, um, really good Christmas. And uh, yeah, that takes us into 2022. So we'll have a little look at some sign-up news, Ollie, uh, and then we'll wrap this pod up. Despite Holt's goal, it's been Shrewsbury who've had the better of this first period, and there's an opportunity that's headed in by Gavin Coward. They're back in front. Okay, we're going to look at some salop news. Um, and is it news? I don't know. Just general salop stuff, I suppose, that isn't a game-related thing. But I just thought it was interesting to look at 2021, Ollie. We sit here now on the precipice of a new year um, and just have a look at our league form across the whole of, of 2021. So, obviously, the end of last season, start of this season. 49 games in total, Ollie. Um, 15 wins, 10 draws, 24 losses, which gives us about a 40% win ratio in 2021 as a whole. Um, and that, if you work it out, is probably it would have given you 55 points um, if it was across a, a, a whole season. So, you know, it kind of shows that, you know, across the whole of 2021, it's been crap, it's been good, there's been ups and downs, but 55 points would generally keep you up every season, wouldn't it? So I suppose it shows that when you look at 2021 as a whole, we've just been keeping our neck above the, the chop line, really, haven't we? Yeah, so you just look look at last season. Um, Rochdale went down with forty seven points. Yeah, normally a points per game um, ratio and will keep you up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, last season we got fifty four points. We finished seventeenth. 
Um, and yeah, and Wigan, who were 48 points, um, were 20th and stayed, stayed up. So yeah, 55 points would get you, obviously, not far away from the relegation zone, but would no. keep you safe. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, that that's the key point, isn't it? That we are above that relegation zone. Yeah, it's just interesting to compare, you know, the end of last season and this yeah. season, and, and look at the whole year. Really, I imagine fifty-five points will probably get you seventeenth, Ollie. So um, there we go. That's me. might be where we end up again this year, but considering where we were, we would take that. Um, so yeah, I suppose we very briefly talked last week about our wants in the transfer window, but yeah, what else have you got to say about transfer window, Ollie, or cop opening, Ollie, that we didn't cover last week? Um, yeah, I think it's just it's obviously just really important, isn't it? I think just 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 kind of a bit of reflection of kind of where we are now. So if you remember when the transfer window closed, we were pretty upset and disillusioned with the season after we thought we'd have a, you know, we were excited about a mid-table finish and, you know, a bit of bit of foundations and not losing every week and hopefully score a few goals and mm. get some good results. We didn't sign a player in August and that really did kind of, we ended the transfer window on a, quite a low ebb. Um, and if we obviously cast our mind back to that time, you know, we had some guests on as well at the time and we were kind of saying, where do you expect to finish? And most people were thinking, you know, if we can if we can be out of the relegation zone or, you know, we're in touched and even touching distance would be kind of would be on par, would be would be good. Um it's almost described it as, you know, Steve Cotter went to the supermarket, kind of came back with the wrong ingredients, but he still managed to put a, a decent you know, a decent meal on the table. And I think it's <laughs> phenomenal that it's 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 fun it's a testament to Steve Cottrell's management ability and his man management. That he's managed to get us into the position where we are, you know, what are we six points above the relegation zone? Mm. Which I would have taken that when the transfer window closed. Um, but again, it's it's really complex because that puts frustration there as well, Glenn. I don't know what's your view of kind of where we are and after that that poor closure of the window. I like that metaphor, Ollie. I think it is, it's a half-decent meal that he's prepared from from not the best ingredients. I definitely wouldn't put it in a, a Tupperware box to take away from home for a meal because it's been quite bitter at times. So there you go, I'll add to your methodology. I suppose my view of what has happened is cautious optimism. Maybe that's the best way to describe it because, you know, there's there's a lot of things that could still go wrong this season and we have played slightly more games than some of the teams around us now because of the COVID issue. So yeah, we are six points above the relegation zone, but games in hand could be a factor down the line. However, you know, that negativity is outweighed by the fact that our form is improving while others is going backwards and we've reached the point at which we can address the fundamental issues to the squad. Um, you know, we're not in, you know, September, October, November now. We've reached that point where the club can and should address the big issues that have been holding us back from being better than relegation. So I think it's cautious optimism because there are still many things that could go wrong. You know, we missed out on targets in the summer or we aimed too high. All those same problems could repeat themselves. You'd like to think they won't, but they could easily do that. And again, you know, you've got the club not making quite as much money through COVID now because of more, you know, shutdowns of Christmas parties and stuff like that and bits and bobs. So all those factors into the transfer window um, could lead us to somewhere where we hope we don't want to be. But yeah, you've got to give Steve Cottrell credit. He's at least got us to a point where we normally are most seasons, just above the relegation zone at Christmas. Um, not really looking at a particularly good run forward in the new year, but just thinking, well, we should have enough to stay up. Is that improvement? No. Um, but, you know, there is the chance that if he got things right this season, we could definitely finish better than we did last year. And that would be a mark of, of improvement. So, uh, yeah, I'm talking around the houses. But, yeah, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic about 2022. But I don't want to be too optimistic because I know how much with football things can just suddenly turn again. I think that's fair, Glenn. Um, I think that's fair. Mm. We we need to obviously sign some some quality players to supplement the players we've got. Um, you know we got very very thin um, at times, didn't we? With with basically playing five strikers and playing yeah. five wing back, we don't want to see that again. Um, I think the optimism is you know we've got some good results, we've got some nice goals, we've had got some points. We're not in the relegation zone, um, and obviously we hopefully things can only get better. Um, as we know, as town fans, things can get worse, <laughs> and we could be yeah, yep. we could be you know we could still get relegated quite easily. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be trying trying to recruit. You know, think about this time last season. We were in the relegation zone. Burton were in the relegation zone. A lot of teams can sometimes you know pull themselves out of it, and some teams get sucked into it. Um, but yeah, we've got I don't know. I think we've got fairly favourable gains in January, and mm-hmm. we're playing we're going playing Wednesday, playing this team called Liverpool Crew. Crew. Bolton, Gillingham and Wimbledon. So they're winnable games. You know, sign a few players and get a few good results. Um, hopefully we can end January on a high. You now you can clip that, Glenn, and then come back to it in February <laughs> and see where we are. Yeah, that is the problem with making uh, any kind of prediction, isn't it? Uh, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, the crew game is a big one. You know, if we could get another win against them, that just kind of... We've done really those... poorly, haven't we, against the teams yeah. right at the bottom. So the Doncaster result, the crew result, really poor. 
Yeah, yeah, we need to put that to, to bed as well. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I, I got a question for you, Ollie, and this is a quite quite a quick answer for I suppose because we you obviously asked all the fans the other week to grade our um, you know players for their first half of the season. But what you know on the basis of that question you've just posed, what grade would you give the first half of the league season so far where we are now? Well, I guess it's the manager is is the club in some ways, isn't he? Um, but yeah, for me, I would say um, probably a C. Yeah, because while there's like like huge positives, you know the the kind of the the really at least Jeffrey, there's like a bit of more of a winning mentality within the club. Um, the players are clearly working for him. We're really well organised. The tactics are good, and you know he's developed players like we've obviously talked about Ado a lot. At the same time, you know we didn't bring any subs on in that Fleetwood game. We didn't mention no. that. The reason we didn't is because we don't really have any options off the bench. The two loan signings have been a disaster. Um, you know, he's had some really spiky, unnecessary press conferences, which um, don't help. He picked a yellow kit. Let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> so for me, I think a C um, is, you know, I think the, the positives and the um, the negatives kind of outweigh each other. And I'll, I'll give him a C. What about you? Yeah, C, C could be slightly generous. I mean, it's, the last three games, it would have definitely moved it up from a D to a C if you were looking at it that way. Because, you know, had we not won any of the last three games, we'd probably be down in the relegation zone, C, and you might, you might be looking at E's and D's. But just three wins really is enough to kind of think, well, well we, we reached the, you know, the new year at the point we're at now with, with some cautious optimism. Yeah, C seems fairly reasonable. Um, and you might think by the end of the year, a, a 14th place finish could be a B. So lots to aim for. You know, as much as we might think this all could go wrong and you want to, to, to you know, kind of bury down that negative shoot town fan that thinks the worst is always going to happen like let's you know i suppose let's try and be positive and say 2021's coming you know there is the the outside chance of something outside chance of something slightly exciting happening as we push towards getting into the top half of the table if everything went right and um yeah you know who knows beat liverpool and something mega exciting happens so you know there's there's a couple of moments left in the season yet it's not you know finished there's, there's going to be quite a lot of fun hopefully left in 2022 ollie yeah, it's all about that transfer window, isn't it? That's going yep. to be the decider of the, the remainder of the season. Um, and fingers crossed, yeah, we can we can get get a couple of good players, um, and we can um, yeah move forward. Um, and this season was always going to be a bit of a transition season, wasn't it? You know, it's not like we can you know go out and, and spend you know ten k a week on a striker and kind of transform our, our squad overnight. Well, it's going to be a slow that. progress. No, we're not. It's it's going to be slow progress. It's going to have to be built. It's you know it's it's going to be a slow process. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed we can sign a few players, and and this time next season, and we're hopefully in a, in a much better position because four years on a row of relegation um, fight would be uh, would be quite poor. Well, as long as we stay up, I suppose it isn't the end of the world. But yeah, I could do without relegation battles consistently every season since Paul Hurst left. That would not be ideal, would it? Anyway, next game, Ollie. You did just mention it Wednesday. Um, they've not played for a while, have they? No, they haven't. They haven't played for quite a long time. Um, their um, their last result was um, in, earlier in December. Um, they've had quite a few games called off. Their last game was actually the eleventh of December, Jesus. and where they beat Crew two 0 They've a lot of games cancelled um, due to COVID. Um, so yeah, they've had a real big time off now. Is the thing that's going to be a positive or a negative for them, Gloom? Um, it's one of those games, isn't it, where, one, we don't know whether we'll have any new players already, and or Sheffield Wednesday have either. Even if I we think, do, they, yeah. Yeah, they'll be coming off the bench match, True. wouldn't they? Yeah. And three, uh, three, four, seven, nine, whatever number I was on there. Um, yeah, Wednesday, I would imagine it's a benefit that they've had a massive rest, to be honest with you. They're going to be completely focused and completely refreshed against, let's going to be, say, a slightly fatigued Shrewsbury Town team who've gone through the, the, the Christmas period. So, I, you know, as much as we're doing really well, it is one of the games where we tend to play better in against the better teams, isn't we it? We do, but... and also they're struggling with a few injuries as well, and obviously they have had players with COVID. Yeah, true. Um, so... Yeah, you never know. It could be one of those. Yeah, as you say, Glenn, we always do do seem to do better against the inverted commas bigger teams. Um, mm. um, you know, um, so yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe we can get get something. But we'll be competitive. That's the minimum you would expect yeah. for this team at the moment, isn't it? And I don't think it's the team where we'll get blown away. So um, yeah, I'm not going to make a prediction. I think it'll be a hard fought game. We might sneak a draw out of it. But, uh, if I was to look at a result, but I'm not going to go for a scoreline. Um, the other thing I was going to quickly say about it is, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if you picked up on it, but as soon as we played Accrington last night, they were a little bit down to bare bones. They they had a couple of injuries before our game, and I think they had like one player maybe out with COVID before they played us. But obviously that wasn't enough to get the game called off. 
But their game on the 1st of uh, January, or maybe theirs has been moved to the 2nd like us, I'm not too sure, but they have now had a COVID outbreak within their squad. Like, less than 18 hours after they played us, they've announced that they can't fulfil their next fixture. So, I, I, you know, there's a little bit of a thing at the back of my mind that we might, you know, who knows what happened. You know, if there were players on the pitch that might have had COVID, they just didn't know of it. It feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? Yeah. It was this so, time last year when we played exactly. Doncaster away. Yeah. And yeah. we thought maybe that was when we, we had our kind of wave of COVID in the squad. Yeah. So just have that at the back of your mind, Ollie. We may, we, you know, if we suddenly get a couple of cases, we do not have a squad of fourteen players. <laughs> we only need three players to be get, and then, coming then down we, with COVID. And then obviously, then we'd maybe have the FA Cup game at, at risk, and we'd have uh, Mister Winger um, going off um, about. Oh, I'm sick of sick of Jurgen Klopp. I am absolutely sick of him. But um, yeah, we'll we'll maybe talk about that on the next part. Or we can have a big rant about him, Ollie. But yeah, yeah, just a note of caution. And obviously, there's still a note of caution as to New Year's restrictions and all that sort of thing. So COVID's gone away for this episode, but it may be back next week. Um, so yeah uh, interesting I'm looking forward to the game on, on Sunday against Sheffield Wednesday it's always good I think we'll have a big atmosphere so big crowd I should imagine as well so that'll be good um, let's wrap this off with uh, discussing Shooter Town Podcast Ollie um, because there's a new one on the streets isn't there and um, yeah you've had to listen to it this week I'm saving it for when I go back to sort of getting into my fitness routine in January um, and I'm going to start listening to them on my, on my exercise bike but yeah In the Stiffs which is a podcast we, I think we maybe briefly mentioned or maybe not um, no we Dave haven't Edwards. mentioned it at all yeah, yeah, David was Gav Cowan and Sam Aston, three players from you know the the, the Gary Peters and uh, obviously Dave was here for longer periods, having a chat about the old days, which sounds exactly up my street. And you've listened to it and you thought it was great, didn't you? Yeah, I listened to it um, over the last few days. Uh, I finished it off driving to Shrewsbury last night. It's a oh, great. really really enjoyable listen. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, obviously it's filled with nostalgia, Glenn. You're gonna absolutely love it. Um, and given that insight into what it's like to be a professional and some really great stories. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously you know, you know, we often lament there's not a lot of content for Shrewsbury Town fans. I think there's a yeah. huge gap for a video blogger amongst our fan base, and there's mm-hmm. no bloggers at all in our fan base anymore. So yeah, me and you're not going to bemoan um, other people doing podcasts and and doing content. So yeah. Um, great to yeah. see what those guys do. Be interesting to who they might interview. Um, it looks like they might be focusing on kind of like some stories and stuff, but I'm sure they'll focus on current stuff as well. So yeah, worth a listen. And um, yeah, have it. It's called In the Stiff, which is, means in the reserves. Um, so yeah, they're on Twitter <laughs> and and all the normal places. So yeah, definitely take a listen. No, I look forward to listening to it. And yeah, it's, it's good to have more content out there because, like, there are one of the other reasons we started this podcast is because we kind of would want to listen to something like this and have something about Shrewsbury Town that is kind of a weekly kind of. I don't know, it's entertainment, but also kind of kind of you know summarizes what you maybe thought or aggravates you or winds you up. But you kind of listen to podcasts for different reasons, don't you? And, and uh, yeah, I, I've obviously had a big thing about um, you know retro Shrewsbury stuff and the olden days and the stories. So when I heard about what this podcast was going to be about, it is exactly the sort of thing I would listen to. It almost feels like they've done it for me, but obviously that's not true. But this is exactly the sort of thing I would listen to. And, and Andy Davis, who I went to um, Fleetwood with, had had a listen to it early doors because um, for anyone that doesn't know, Ian Whitfield, the old media manager is editing the the Inner Stiffs podcast um, and he'd, he'd uh, given Andy a couple of the episodes to listen to for a bit of feedback and um, yeah he was saying look mate you know we're, we're both from the same era we watched through from Ratcliffe through to now and this is you know kind of touches all of those things you would want to hear about the old stories and apparently they're going to talk about the conference season and all that sort of thing so that's exactly my 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 bag really so I'm definitely going to be listening to it and um, yeah maybe maybe a good idea to, to have a chat with them about what they're hoping to do on it down the line but um, yeah be interested to see where it goes and uh, yeah it'd be good to listen to um, and yeah stick it on your podcast feed cool so yeah nice place to end, end the podcast end of the year Glenn and um, yeah, yeah I'm 250 podcasts down um, yeah let's see <laughs> see how many week we can carry on doing but um, yeah wish everyone hope them had a great Christmas I'm sure everyone has eaten too much I'll definitely be on that having a kid Glenn uh, <sighs> has been a good excuse to eat cake every day <laughs> um, and yeah eat a little bit too much so I'll definitely be getting the running trainers out in January um, well and yeah I- I, th- I think I should say this on the podcast because it kind of puts it in stone, right? And um, but I, I, there's a, Nick Jones is one of the um, the patrons of the Shoe Town community um, thing, and I've been talking to him over Christmas about whether I should 
cycle to Milton Keynes for the last game of the season, Ollie. Um, so obviously they do that thing where you raise raise some money for the community team, and then over two days you cycle to the away game. I think they've done it to a, to a few games before. Now for, for Christmas, I got myself a nice smart exercise bike, and I'm in, inclined to lose some weight by cycling a lot. And I figure that that should be my goal. So I think it's the end of April, isn't it? The, the Milton Keynes game is to get fit enough to be able to cycle to Milton Keynes over two days, and um, that's going to be my challenge in 2022, Ollie. So I, I might mention that as we go through the podcast this season because be good to raise some money for community team as well but i haven't yet committed so i think at some point when i go back to work next week i'll be sending off some emails to commit to a challenge it'd be, it'd be, interesting, everyone... <laughs> be interesting to see if this makes it into the edit um as we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> i think it will i think it will i think you you need i think everyone in life needs a challenge that's my that's my yeah. summary of it and without and with covid for two years you know i've had no challenges in my life and it just you know your, your fitness thing drains away because of that so um yeah get a challenge in 2022 there's my advice for the new year ollie Cool, brilliant. Nice place to end it, Glenn. So yeah, <laughs> all right. Merry, uh, yeah, hope everyone has an enjoyable new year. And um, yeah, we'll be back after the Sheffield Wednesday game.